for tuning in to the 221st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be a Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Everett, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcast, network platform you may be listening to me via. going to have a great podcast for all of you guys today. Being recorded from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, again, no longer in California. I enjoyed uh California, by the way, it was very fun. Loved hanging out with uh, my aunt and my cousin. Uh, the weather, it was beautiful. It was my first 70 degrees Christmas, which means a lot. Uh, coming from a kid who was born and raised in Buffalo, New York, and at the same time now lives in Philadelphia. So I've, and went to college in Cleveland, right? So those are three extremely cold weather areas. So I've never gotten that opportunity. It was really fun and it was. A blessing and it was really cool to travel because I've also never been to that side of the country. Now with me saying all that, we're going to have a great podcast for all you guys today. going to have Mr. Zach on in the second half of the show and we are going to preview and predict week, week 17 of NFL action. Also probably talk a little bit of uh, NFL tidbits and notes as well. And then we're in the beginning of the podcast, which is going to be on the first half of the show. We're going to have... Chris Crit on, uh, the host of the Real Game show with uh, Chris and Chen. Going to have him on. Uh, love having Chris on. Big Michigan football fan. Going to talk a little bit about the college football semifinals as well. And the Lions. He goaded me into talking about the Lions. Actually, when we recorded this, it was about 10 days ago. Probably two or three days before Christmas, I think. So the Lions were in a lot better place in the standings uh, than they are right now. But I do believe the Lions still have a chance. Just got to handle business in the next two games. And they're probably going to be in. But now it's time for my shameless plug, as always. First time listener, thank you, but subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast to friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below, specifically if you use Spotify or anything timestamped, you can click on the timestamp, and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you most like to listen to, folks. It is for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at NightTrend underscore Lane, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just type in Daryl Lane, you will find it. I post two to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show outside the shop. And lastly... If you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review. And for some odd reason, right? If you the pod, then fret not worth not, folks. But just don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And get up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Chris Crit on the show. Get up next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Chris Critton, host of The Real Game with Chris and Shen Podcast. How you doing, man? Doing good. How are you? Good to be back on. It's been a while. I know it has. It's been uh, about a year. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and a lot's changed. So, first I gotta get to this. This Around this time last year, maybe a little bit before, you were kind of still a little hesitant on the Harbaugh era, if I remember. So how much has he shown you in this last 10 to 12 months? Uh, 
it's an entire different program. I mean, it, it doesn't look anything like 2020 was. I mean, 2020 was rock bottom. They went 2-4. They didn't play their last two games. The recruiting class was bad. They had tons of guys in the portal. Harwell had to bring in brand-new assistants. He had fired at one who was his long-time assistant, brought in the first-time head, uh, first-time offensive line coach. Well, he had a coach, made him a first-time offensive line coach, Sharon Moore. Um, he had to bring in a brand-new defensive coordinator. Got a guy from the Ravens, Mike McDonald. Um, he had Josh Gaddis around. But it, everything was different. And, uh, and that, that was a rock bottom, and that was a turning point from this, from this program. I mean, Sharon Moore has won back-to-back, back-to-back Joe Moore Awards for the best offensive line in the country. That was, like, one of the best decisions he made. He replaced um, Mike McDonald with Jesse Minter, who would come from that Ravens system as well. It may have been defense may have been better than Mike McDonald's defense, to be honest with you. I mean, his defense this year has been lights out in the second half. Um, it seems like everybody they push has been right. Um, he There was a lot of con- – and I honestly didn't like the way he handled the J.J. Uh, Mac- McCarthy and K. McNamara situation, but it seems like he made the right decision, making J.J. the quarterback. I mean, we don't beat Ohio State, I believe, without J.J. Being a starter this year, um, just based off the plays he made in the game, because I think K. McNamara could have made those plays that he made with his feet, which which made a big difference in the game. Davis for a touchdown, also a big uh, first down with his leg. So um, he got us going good. Got us back to the playoffs again, and he gets us to a national championship. I mean, what I mean, there's nothing you can't say about. Him. That's what he came here to do, and that's what he. And it took him eight years to get there, but I mean, he got he got done, accomplished what he said he would do. I'm off a back-to-back uh, Big Ten championship. Do you think it's kind of more of a statement that sometimes I think people are quick to write off a coach, or even players sometimes, where it's kind of like, you know, all, all good things come to those who wait. Sometimes these things take time, and let's say when people were calling, I mean, people were calling for his head, like, within, like, the first four I'm years, too. even before well, 2020. Yeah. Um, good things definitely come to those who wait, but, I mean, we're in a microwave society now, so. Nobody likes to wait anymore. But I think that, um, that his is just so disappointing because he didn't beat Ohio State until year seven. I beat him back-to-back years, and obviously I think we broke him, but that's another different story. But um, when, you're looking, when you're looking at it, it just looked so bad. I mean, he was struggling to beat Michigan State on a consistent basis. Didn't beat Ohio State. I think that was the big thing was that he wasn't beating his rivals. Oh, you don't beat your rivals. I mean, what, do you, what else do you have for? You beat your rivals in the Big Ten. He wasn't doing anything. He brought there to do so. I don't think anyone calling that their job after year four was necessarily unjust, just based off the, um, what we've seen from the program at that point. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I do think sometimes there's something to be said to you know just seeing where it goes, and it's like sometimes if the results don't come right away, it's not that they eventually will never be there, right? Yeah, that's true. There's nothing that will never be there. Um, it's just hard to see it. I guess when you when you. We were struggling like that, and and, and honestly, we, we they could could have beat Ohio State in 2016 if some things go differently. And I think if they beat Ohio State in 2016 and get to the Big Ten Championship, they probably win it, and things look a lot different than they do than they did for the first you know couple of years. It's just that didn't happen, and you can't go on ifs and buts. You got to go on results, and so the results weren't looking good, and didn't see any pathway to looking any better because of um, like they had a lot of guys like. It was, I'm, I'm just, everything, talking to people and everything you read and hear, like the, the environment around the, around the team was just extremely toxic. And even with Harbaugh, I mean, it was just, he wasn't as open of a coach as he was to his players now than he was back then. I think that the entire environment, the entire culture around the program was just, was just bad. And um, the past 
two years, he's done a good job of, of, of fixing that. Um, and even last year with him trying to go to the NFL, um, which I, I was drove me crazy, but I don't think it was, I, I think he's there now. I don't think he'll try to leave this time around, but um, everything's just been different. So I'm I'm very happy with what the program is right now. Uh, we'll see how long it can last um, with the new age of college football and the transfer portal and NIL, but I'm enjoying it while I can. It's, yeah, it's really interesting too, right? So I went to school in Cleveland, and obviously there's a lot of Ohio State fans there, and there's a lot of OSU people who are like they're out on Ryan Day now because he can't be Michigan. It's really funny how the flip flop thing. And I'm have friends who are Ohio State fans, and they're like, "Well, this is strike two. They're like, if Ohio State beats Georgia, they make it to the national championship, and they lose to Michigan, that's strike three. So he needs it to go." And I'm just like. <laughs> I'm just like, what? I'm like, that's a little crazy. He's like, nope, nope. We can't stand for it. You can't lose to Michigan three times, national championship or not. So it, it just, it's just really interesting how I feel like sometimes, not, not necessarily irrational, because, you know, you, you want to beat your rivals, obviously. There's nothing there's nothing worse, but it's just like a guy like Ryan Day who objectively, I mean, I don't think you can name any people who's been more successful than he has, and people are like. Michigan's like, Michigan, he's the only, Michigan. He's beat Michigan before. Michigan's the only school to beat Ryan Day in the Big Ten. He had lost in the Big Ten before losing to Michigan last year. And then losing to Michigan this year. It's the only time he's lost in the Big Ten. So, um, that's... I mean, but that's your rival. So, you know, I mean, they, they had beat us, what, eight years straight? Seven, years, eight, seven, eight years straight. So, of course, they're not expecting to lose to us. They don't want to lose to us. So, of course, they're going to take it a little differently. And I think the way they've lost, too, has been embarrassing. And I know they try, they try to push his narrative. Oh, it was a close game at the end of the, at the, end of the third quarter. Yeah, but the start before Puerto Michigan went up by 11 points, and then they scared and scored again. So uh, they scored a field goal in the second half. So this narrative that, oh, it was a one-score game going to the fourth quarter, and it, it, no, they got embarrassed at home, and it would have been a lot worse had they not uh, stopped. There was a sack fumble that down uh, C.D. Stroud that they ruled down, which would have been another touchdown. So, yeah, let, let's stop with that narrative, uh, Buckeyes, please. Thanks. What do you think changed in that rivalry? Because it, it, it was – Ohio State, by a lot, and it, it, those games used to get really ugly in Ohio State's favor. Now it's just like Michigan just bullies them. Um, a few things changed. One, Don Brown's gone, and so he was he he did a good job with Ohio State in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen, but then after that he didn't adjust, and it was really bad. The next two years, twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, they wouldn't be Michigan really bad. So I think the new defensive coordinators came in. They put in a in a good system. Even when when um. Jim Harbaugh, and I'll get to this, what he did, I'll get to what he did in a second. When we interviewed Jesse Minter, he told Jesse Minter to bring a plan to beat Ohio State. That's important. Michigan, uh, after 2020, they brought back in Ron Bellamy, who was the coach at West Bloomfield High School. He used to be a receiver at Michigan. They brought back Mike Hart, obviously uh star running back that was at the school. They implemented a beat Ohio drill that they run every day. And I think the difference was prior to that, Michigan didn't emphasize the Ohio State game as much as they needed to. And after 2020, they put up signs around the, around the facility saying, what are you doing today to beat Ohio State? In the press conference of the Big Ten Championship, Jim Harbaugh said, we're going to beat Ohio State or die trying. I think they took the game more seriously, and that was a difference. Now, I'm not going to say Ohio State didn't take Michigan more seriously. They didn't They didn't take the game serious this year because I think they did. I think the difference was Michigan just has become more – in Michigan, they take their prior touch rivalry now, so it's more serious. And um, they're more physical. That was the difference. Ohio State is not a physical team. They're a finesse team. They got away from what Urban Meyer was doing, and they didn't. They don't play the same aggression, the same physicalness that Urban Meyer had them playing with. Uh, now under Ryan Day, I mean, they got bullied in the trenches on both sides of the ball. 
awesome mind and deepest mind. They got absolutely bullied. So I think that's the difference. It's the physicality, you know. And so Ohio State gets that physicality back. I'm not sure they can keep up or they can beat Michigan. That's because that's the difference. Right now. They have the skill players, they got the receivers, they got the star quarterback. But until they get physical, that's why I think they'll struggle with Georgia. I mean, they they got the finesse, but Georgia's a tough team, man. They they strong and they, they're not going. You can't finesse against them. You got to come ready to pack your lunch. And I don't know how in a month time from February, what was that again, November 24th or whatever it was, from then to, to December 31st, I don't know how Ohio State's going to become a more physical team, but we'll see. So you think the program just generally got more soft since Urban Meyer left? I do. I think it's got more soft. I don't know why or, you know, I don't know if it's the players, the system. I mean, he brought in a defensive coordinator to supposedly stop Michigan. They still got bullied, so. I think it's it's it, it could be a mindset. It, it, it could be a player thing. But right now, I would say that they're just a lot softer than they used to be. That's the difference to me. At least. Do you think the rivalry's turning now? Because I'm sure uh, Ohio State was probably favored over Michigan, right? Yeah, they were favored by seven. Yeah, yeah and last year. And I think even if we play again in that national championship, they would be favored too. So. <laughs> He's like, as long as we keep winning, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. They can be favorite all they want. They can have little Yeah, it is interesting how some teams are favored. Like that was Nick Saban's whole thing. You know, we'd be favored against everybody, but like Georgia, that's why we should be in. <laughs> I right, think. You know, I, that, was, that was embarrassing. He went on there. What he did, that was embarrassing. I don't even know why Fox would let him on there to even do that. But that was embarrassing to go and play like that. Dude, you lost twice. Which I get it, but you lost twice. I mean, what else is going to do? No, I, you I, know. I, I don't think Ohio State deserves to be in, but I can't make a case for Alabama. They lost twice. What do you, I mean, I can't do it for them. You see, for me, I, I do think it, it was embarrassing. It was a little low. Nick Saban shouldn't have to do that. He should be better no, than that. But I, I, I do understand from the standpoint that, obviously, if they're going to let you on TV. I, I do think as a coach, you do have somewhat of an obligation to uh, stand up for your guys and like at least, you know, give your say for them at least, right? I, I do feel like it, maybe there was probably a better way for him to go about it, but it's like, yeah. what would you expect him to do? If you give any coach the green light to go on national TV, and, and of course he's going to advocate for his team. And of course it sounds crazy when he starts talking about the spreads, but I mean, that's all he had to say. <laughs> he didn't have much help. <laughs> So yeah, he had much to say. I mean, he, he was—he did—he did the best he could. It's like when you go in for a paper or go for a test, and you just study for the test, and you're there, and you're just doing it on the fly. That's what it was. He was doing. I got to guess somewhere. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I, I get it. I don't. I can't hate it on it too much, but it does seem a little weird too, especially during the Big Ten title game. It, it seemed very inappropriate. I, I blame. More so the producers there on Fox, the Big Ten, for allowing See, that. I, I, I don't even know uh, why Fox said uh, Fox is the Big Ten, uh, Big 12, and uh, SEC. I'm not uh, big, uh, Pac-12. And, and ESPN is the one that should be pimping them on uh, uh, SEC. That's what they've been with the SEC. So I, I'm surprised that Fox even let him on to even do this. I, I think it was to, like, you know, how many more people are going to watch if we found out that, you know, Nick Saban comes on the show? I think that was it. Though I, I, I blame them more because you have to have somebody in the room that's like, okay, this doesn't look right. And in an era where people want to always question the integrity of things or are things rigged or people playing favorites, having, having the Alabama head football coach on after they don't make it, that is not like even just – it's just not a good visual. It's really not a good visual. I agree. 
it, it, but it was funny. It, it was absolutely funny. But I don't know how Dick how Dick got that off. So you said you don't even think Ohio State should have gotten in. So who do you think should have uh, been that fourth spot? Do you think it should have been USC? I think so. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I, so it kind of sucks because you do, you get punished for playing an extra game. Like I don't think that they lost, but I don't think they should have been punished for losing an extra game when they made it to their conference championship game. You know, Ohio State didn't make it. They got pumped. They got at home, embarrassed. Uh, I mean, Alabama lost twice. So, might get USC lost twice, but at least they had their second loss game in the, in the Pac-12 title game. Um, I don't think they should have hurt them, you know. Um, but what can you do? You know, you get punished for playing an extra game, and they make you go to the conference championship game, and make you play it, but they punish you for doing it. But couldn't you pose it from this way, right? Couldn't you say Ohio State got punished for playing Michigan? Because they had to play the number two team in the country. You could say USC didn't have to do that in division. I mean, no, how did they get punished for playing Michigan? You ain't got a choice about the play. That's your, uh, that's in your conference. You got to play that. No, no, I agree. But I'm saying you could easily just say, right, like, USC, you know, they have an easier road than, let's say, Ohio State because Ohio State clearly, you know, the second best team in the country is in their own division so that they're kind of de facto then blocks them off in a situation that is very unique to them that other teams don't have to deal with. Whereas, let's say, if USC was in that situation, would would USC beat beat Michigan or would USC have won the Big Ten East versus what would happen Uh, if Ohio State was there? Which I get that's a whole rabbit hole conversation. Yeah, I can't. That I, that I, that is hard to speak to. But what I will say is, I think this season the Pac-12 was better than the Big Ten, top to bottom. I mean, the Big Ten was a dumpster fire this year for the most. It was terrible. I mean, you had Purdue with eight wins in a Big Ten title game. I mean, that was that was bad. Purdue was terrible, and so was every other team. Iowa and Illinois. I mean, all of them teams were bad. So, um, you know, I don't think that. Uh, I mean, I don't. No, USC had to play Michigan. I mean, well. I can't say what would happen if they played Michigan. Uh, but I can say that they had a tougher time in their conference than Ohio State did. I could definitely say that emphatically. Um, it's, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah and it, it, it also does suck. I do agree with you, though. At the end of the day, it does suck that when you play another game that that does hurt you. Uh, yeah. But but I think, you know, it, it gets in the whole college football playoff thing. I, I think it's become very subjective, which I guess is kind of the whole point they've tried to make it where in the BCS it was kind of more just playing cut and drive is like if you go undefeated and you're at a power five you're you're just in that was just kind of what it was uh and now it's kind of like gray area like strength of schedule I think they count if players are hurt or not like I think it really matters now when you lose because if USC lost well they lost to Utah twice but if if that those losses, if it happened, if both of USC's losses came early in the season, I don't think it would have impacted them the same way. Uh, it's impacted them now. It's just kind of it's recency bias. It's really fresh in your mind. Uh, we're another week removed from what happened with Michigan and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, sure. I agree with that. I think that um, that, that plays a big part in it. Recency bias. When you lose, how you lose, uh, plays a part in it. So uh, just like TCU, TCU had they not gone overtime, they may not have gotten in. We couldn't see this situation. Do you? Th- we could have seen a situation where we, we saw Ohio State and Alabama both be. Oh, that would have killed you. No, whatever. I'm, 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 I'm not a 
whatever. They don't want to tune in, let him in. I'm uh, playing where we get. But um, I think had TCU lost or not getting over, gotten overtime, that's what we would have seen. Yeah, that would have been. <laughs> uh, that would have been something. Uh, do you think there's any chance Harbaugh will ever leave Michigan? To go back to NFL? Yes. Or he's good to stay. Well, he can already say he's staying next year, so. Um, I mean, Nick Saban said he would never be the Alabama coach, too. He did, but, <laughs> no, he, but no, he, he already said he's. He, well, he said he plans to coach Michigan in 2023. He already said that. So. Um, I, don't, I think he's going to be in Michigan. I don't. I mean, the rumors will always be there. Um, but after, I think after last year's fiasco, I, you know, I mean, he looked really bad to be turn back around and left at the last season's fiasco, so I think he'll stay. Do you think, like, he's going to stay in Michigan long-term, like he's going to retire in Michigan? Yeah, probably. Well, you know, how quickly have things changed? That would not have been the conversation a few years ago. Uh, in terms of Michigan versus TCU, how do you like that matchup? I like it a lot. Um, it's because TCU defense isn't strong. And Michigan wants to run the ball and um, ball control. I think that plays right to their hand. Uh, I don't know. Not saying TCU won't. I don't see how they stop the run. I don't. Um, even without Blake Horn, I don't see how they stop the run. So, um, yeah, I think Michigan should be okay in the game. And, I mean, they, they have Max Duggan. They have a few guys. But it's just if they can't stop Michigan, and Michigan's defense on the second half, I mean, their defense in the second half is going to lights out. They – Maybe like one, two touchdowns all year in the second half of game. So unless TCU just you know comes out hot and does what they do in the first half, the second half they might be they might be not in, in bad luck. And and that's what Michigan. I mean it's it's perfect because Michigan's gonna lean on you, lean on you, lean on you, so you can't take it anymore. And by the time the third quarter comes, if you're not scoring the offense, they're gonna keep burning the ball and you won't stop them. They gonna get five six yards carry, one lead the clock, and they're gonna be able to score. You won't be able to so. Um, I like Mac Duggan. I think they have some good skill position players, but I just don't think I don't know how they keep up with Michigan if they can't stop them defensively. How do you like Georgia versus Ohio State? How do you see that game going? Mm, I see. Um, I see Georgia winning pretty easily. I just don't. I just don't. I just don't see how um, Ohio State keeps up and they're not physical. They're not a physical team at all. Um, I mean, they got the receivers. They got you know Stroud. But one thing about Stroud is when you when you play when he gets um because all all I kept hearing from uh uh Urban Meyer before the before the Michigan Ohio State game was oh well it's, it's warm there's no weather Ohio State going easily all this this receivers remember Gilles this and that but it wasn't cold and they still struggled so they showed because Michigan was more physical than they were and they got pressure on them and once you get pressure on CJ Stroud. I, I don't know. Once you get pressure on him, he gets rattled. He's not he's not the same guy. And if Georgia has a weakness, it is a secondary. But I don't know if Georgia's getting pressure with the front four, front seven. How does Stroud combat that? You know what I'm saying? If he can't if he can't get the ball out in time, he's he's rattled. He can't take advantage of the weak secondary. So I 
I didn't see this this matchup playing out. You know, I, I think Georgia's going to beat Ohio State pretty, maybe about like 10 points. Maybe I don't I don't see it being that close. I really don't. Uh, and not, not trying to slight Ohio State, not trying to knock Ohio State. I just don't see how in two months they become more of a physical team. Like they had the receivers, they had, a, they had everything. But physicality is, is means everything, especially against a team like Georgia. And if you're not, if you're not physical, how do you compete? That's all. So um, there's no knock against them or not to slight them. I just don't see how they they do it. I just don't. Because you probably say and Georgia. They might be more physical than, yeah, but they can't get more physical than I don't see it. Because you probably agree. I mean, Georgia's more physical than Michigan, right? So that if, you know, if they can't handle Michigan's physicality, then I don't know what makes you think they're going to handle Georgia's physicality. And I, and I think in terms of team speed, I don't think Ohio State necessarily has some fantastic advantage there. I mean, because Georgia's fast. <laughs> they are, and they don't even have um, their best receiver in Jackson Smith and Jason. That was their best weapon. He's going to the NFL draft. So, and Marvin Harrison Jr. is very good, but I still, I still think Jackson Smith and Jason is better. And having him makes a big difference. Um, I'm not sure the help of Travion, Travion Anderson and Mike Williams. That makes a big difference, too. Um, those guys are ready to go in the one game. So they got many all hands on deck when they're going to this game. They, they were doing Stroud's going to play the best game of his career. I mean, he can't get rattled once he get hit a few times. He's going to suck it up. That's one reason why I don't want him as the NFL quarterback, but that's a different conversation. Also, oh, you think you think Shroud's trending towards being a little bit of a bust? Yeah, I'm not thinking I'll see the Shroud. It depends, well, it depends on where he goes. I'll say that. What if he goes to the Lions? I would not like that. <laughs> but no, but dude, we played our last game of the year at Lambeau Field. I saw it in the cold last year. And he, he put up numbers, but they still lost for double digits because he, he struggled in the cold. And I don't know. His, his responses after the Michigan game were like me to me. I just... I didn't like it, so that's me. So you think Bryce Young's better? I do, but the only thing that scares me about Bryce Young is that um, the thing that scares me about him—he's so small, he's five nine—that scares me. That scares me. Um, I think he's very good, and talented, but that right there scares me a lot. Yeah, he's small. I mean, for, for being a small guy, too, I think it'd be a little bit different if he was small, but like Kyler. Like, Kyler's small, but Kyler's like the best athlete on the field. Like, Bryce Young isn't that athletic. Like, Bryce Young isn't like a freak athlete like Kyler. So that's also the thing. So it's like, can you be that small without being like a freak athlete? Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I think Bryce is going to be good, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not selling either one of them, honestly. I'm not selling any quarterback in this draft. I'm not sure. I'm not selling on Levis. I'm not selling on Stroud. Um, I'm the most confident in, in Young, but even then, it's still kind of tough. So it sounds like you have Georgia and Michigan in the championship. Can Michigan right the wrong from last year against Georgia? Yes, we can do it this year. I don't think Georgia's as good as they were last year. I think they're a very good team. Not as good as they were last year, but. Um, if we're going to do it, it got to be this year, so why not? My last question for you is this. Do you think SEC bias really exists? Do you think it exists? Yes, of course it exists. <laughs> uh, of course, yes. I mean, I 
I've always said this. The SEC is top heavy. Georgia, Alabama, always at the top, always very good. Everyone else, mediocre. They're not that good. Um, they had Tennessee step up this year, which is, which is good. Um, and they had – that was it, really. Who else was good besides Tennessee? LSU? Okay, it made some noise. But I see, like, the top three, four teams are really good. And after that, it's, it's, you, you see a big drop off. You really do. So, that's why I think that's SEC biases or SEC schedule, SEC this and that. But, I mean, largely the conference is mediocre to bad at the bottom, you know. So, that's just me. So, who do you think has been the best conference then truly, like, let's say the last decade? <laughs> I, mean, I think it's been the SEC, but I don't think it's been because the entire conference. I think their top, their, their top teams have just been better than everyone else's top team. So I can sort of say the SEC. I just don't think it, the conference as a whole. I think it's just the top makes it so good. That's why. And they won every championship pretty much. I saw that with Clemson 1 1. Uh, Ohio State 1 1. Ohio State 1 1. Yeah, but for the most part, it's been SEC. So can't say anything. You know what I'm saying? I can't say that they haven't been, but I just don't think it's top to bottom as good as everyone makes it seem. So you think just think all these teams are hiding behind Alabama? <laughs> I no, I do. I really do. I think I think most of these teams are um, hiding behind Alabama. I do. That's fair, Chris. I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Hold on, man. You never asked about the Lions. You really okay? You really want to talk about the Lions? You really want to talk about the Lions? Oh, okay. you go ahead. Hold on. We got we the hottest team in the NFL right now. You might have <laughs> I was trying to get you out for your interview. Okay, we, we can talk a little bit of lines. Okay, so they're seven and seven. I think if they're one and they started off, they were one and six or two and six at one point. If Dan Campbell makes the playoffs, I think I was reading that will be the first time uh, in NFL history that's happened. Obviously, the right their offensive line's great. Their offense is really good. Defense is improving. Can the Lions make the playoffs, Chris? Yes, sir. They can. Will they? <laughs> you know, I mean, listen. I, I told myself I wasn't going to start to drink the Kool-Aid, but I started to drink the Kool-Aid. Um, I didn't know what. The reason I had, man, because for y'all, son, for y'all don't know, the high little blue Kool-Aid is the thing that, like, the Lions always do something. They get everybody sucked in discipline. So I told myself I wouldn't drink it, but I decided I would, only because it's been so long. To, the Lions haven't won seven games since 2017. So, like, it's been so long since we had good football and, like, important games in December and fun games to watch. Why not? You know what I'm saying? If they end up hurting me, if they end up losing the next two and finish seven nine, I'll be up, or seven and ten. I'll be upset. I'll be disappointed. But um, you know, I just have to live with it. <laughs> Which, live with it. But um, right now, I'm gonna just ride to the sun and I'm gonna just enjoy it while I can. I think they can win the next three games, at least two out of three, and get to the playoffs. But you went out, you don't have to worry about that. So I rather than try to go in the next three games and then not have to worry about um, you know leaving their fate anybody else in hand. Are the Lions in position to be a playoff team for years to come? They're going to have the Rams' first-round pick. I mean, yeah. the Green Bay's on the downward trajectory. I think the key to all of this is, is uh, Jerry Goff. Um, his play is going to determine a lot whether we can be a playoff team. We got Amala um, State Brown, very good receiver, four-round um, pick. And I think the reason we can be is Brad Holmes. Is, is, if you look at Brad Holmes, all of the, all the guys from this year's draft, First round pick, he started to play a lot better. Second half of the season, after the bye week, he's played a lot different, played a lot better. You have, um, they had two first round picks. Jameson Williams finally, he just, he just, uh, he's healthy now. They got Jameson Williams, our second first round pick. They had Josh Pascoe made a few plays this year, second round pick. You had Kirby Joseph, third round pick, has been making an impact. You have, um, Malcolm Rodriguez, six round linebacker, who's been 
one of the better players on defense. You have James Houston now, seven, six, six round pick. He's come in out of nowhere. He has five sacks on the year already in just four games or five games. So, uh, I mean, Browns has done it, and I'm my right pick Brown last year for Brown pick is our best receiver. So, yeah, Brad Holmes has proven he can pick. He can find guys in the draft, which is what he did with the Rams. He's found guys in the draft this year. Um, now they got to bring us a free agents this offseason, I think, to, to kind of plug in some holes. But I think they can be a playoff team as long as Jared Goff, you know, continues to play like this and doesn't play like he did with the Rams last year. Well, it's bad, bad for the year. Yeah. So you're good with Jared Goff as a starting QB. He's proven enough to you. Um, Not really, but I'd rather <laughs> have him than one of the rookie quarterbacks. So you think he's just better than Bryce Young, C.J. Shroud, and uh, Will Love? You think he's just better than those guys? Better than Stroud and Levis at this point in his career. Like, if we bring in a rookie quarterback, we're going to have to take a step back or two. Right now, Jared Goff has the position to be at least playoff relevant. May not get a Super Bowl, but if we get a rookie quarterback, that's a whole, you know, like rookie quarterbacks are 50-50, man. Like, it's hard. It's hard to go with a rookie quarterback. So you're going to bring in a rookie quarterback you're going to take a step back for sure. And then going forward, as if, as if he's actually a guy, and it's, it's a really, it's a crapshoot. So, I mean, you're kind of stuck in the wilderness right now with Jared Goff and where he can take you. But I like what he has with, with Ben Johnson right now. They have a good connection going. So, and we got to get off his line. So, hopefully that, that that's enough. It sounds like then you're kind of more angling for their the Rams pick to be a guy like Jalen Carter or Will Anderson. Yeah, I would love that. If we can get Jalen Carter or Will Anderson at the third or fourth pick for the Rams, I would I would love that. I, I really would. Um that would be that's that's the honestly the best case scenario to me is you get one of those two guys and yeah. I mean plug them right in. If you put Will Anderson um um right next to on the other side of Andy Hutchinson, you're ready to roll. Or the same thing you put Jalen Carter right in, in the middle next to him, yeah, you're ready to roll. So I think you can go wrong with either, either guy, and I hope that's, they have the option of either one with that third pick or fourth pick, wherever it lands. But I need the Rams to stop trying to win games, so I, I really do need that to happen. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you this before I let you go. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. He thinks that if the Lions could find a way to trade for Matthew Stafford back, they'd already have the team that he never had, and they right, could win right. with him. It's telling it's telling, it's telling in this call, though. <laughs> So you're still out on Matthew Stafford? It's time, it's time, it's time to end this call, dude. He had 12 years to do what he's going to do. Now listen, it was, it was part of the Lions. It was part on the Lions um, that they didn't. It was part of their fault that they didn't put a team around him. But they also had a team around him at times. He didn't win. So, I mean, it goes both ways. We can't just act like the Lions failed Stafford because they did. But he also failed the Lions. So we just, I don't know why people just can't admit that it goes both ways. That's the only thing I ever said. It went both ways. They both played a part in it. Of course, he won the Super Bowl in his first year. But look at the team he had. He had a star for the defense and a star for the offense. I mean, he was highly insulated. So, I mean, he had the best receiver in the league last year. He brought in Odell Beckham. Like, come on now. That's not like the guy didn't have a loaded team with the Rams and just, he took advantage. But he didn't rise above in Detroit, which is, I think, a problem he had. So, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to bring him back. I think he's, you know, he can make his name out there with the Rams and do what he got to do out there. Chris, thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And now, coming up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to Zach on the show. Coming up next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. Same game parlays, easy bets payouts, player prop options, etc., etc. You guys know the deal. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and place a same-game parlay and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, point totals, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code TBPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets. If they do, only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. And now it's time for you, Mariah. All I want for Christmas is you. You love the holidays and you love betting. With the Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Mr. Zach with us. How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing fine, Daryl. Recovering from the biggest snowstorm I ever witnessed in my life. Yeah, the Buffalo snowstorms, from what I heard, they were uh, different. It, it was a trying time. Uh, a lot of people lost their lives. A lot of people were shut in. Uh, snow everywhere. 30 mile per hour winds. I'm glad you're okay. It would have been interesting to see what they would have done if the Bills had a home game for that game. I guess the Bills would have had to play on the road again. Oh, it's all cleared up now. I mean... No, I'm saying it said it because it was the Chicago game. So instead of they were at Chicago, let's say Chicago was... Oh, yeah. On that that day, we never could. They couldn't have played football here. I guess they could have, but no one could have. You couldn't even see five, five feet in front of you. That would have been terrible. So, Luka Doncic, 60-point triple-double. He had, what, like 61 points, like 18 assists, 15-plus rebounds. 21 rebounds. 21 rebounds? Okay, 21 rebounds. Yeah. Beating the Knicks in overtime. Uh, Hitting multiple tough clutch shots towards the end of that game to even get the Mavericks into overtime. Where does that rank in terms of basketball performances you've seen? Well, the basket, the basketball performance was was a one and only. It was a, it was, it was absolutely, it was absolutely devastating what he did to the Knicks. But I can't take nothing away from him or his performance. But the Knicks, like, handed him the game on a silver platter. They they gave up. They lost like a twelve point lead in like five in less than two minutes and then they lost and then they couldn't hit a free throw down the stretch and that what got and that's what gave Dallas a chance to squeak back in the game and then he missed five shots and they didn't box out and he ended up tipping the ball in from some awkward angle but it, it was just it was just awesome the way he's mastered the basketball game of his offensive skill level is is, is pretty amazing 
in terms of most skilled basketball players you've seen, let, let's just say the modern era. So let's say from 2000 till now, in terms of just purely basketball skill offensively, uh, where what realm does he kind of fit in terms of how unique he is? Well, I mean, in this new, I mean, whatever you call it, the new, the newer era, which was what the last ten years of, or so, or or twenty years. I mean, he has to, he has to rank pretty high with his basketball IQ, his ability to see the court. Um, he seems like he's more uh, actually in shape now than he was before. He looks stronger. Uh, maybe even a little quicker. Um, he's been fortunate enough not to have many injuries. Um, but as far as basketball ability, he's he's up there. He's up there. Um, with a little uh, ingredients of a few players mixed in. He has great vision, like LeBron. He has great passing skills, like LeBron or Magic. And he has his three-point range like uh, like Bird. And he's a decent rebounder. Defense, I mean, he's not really known for defense, but he's a hell of a ball player in his own in his own way. And he's so... also has a little James Harden. He has a little James Harden with him, too, because he dribbles a lot. He does. And I think that's the one thing with Luka... He is very ISO-heavy, one-on-one basketball where a lot of times a lot of dudes are standing around and he's just pounding the basketball. Uh, But he's so good at it, I mean, and you just can't stop him because typically when a guy is just isolated like that at the top of the key, everybody can look at him. You'll see the efficiency go down. You'll see guys struggle because that's just a hard way to play basketball, but... He's just so good, it doesn't matter. He gets to his spots and he does whatever he wants to do. You pick guys who are too small on him, he'll back them down, he'll muscle them up to the rim. And these bigger guys, they can't move with him. His handle and his dribble's too good. And he creates he creates space for his shot. What he lacks in leaping ability and speed, he, cre- he creates space with his body, using his hips and his shoulders to create space. Yes, sir. Hips and shoulders. Old school. It'd be really interesting to see Luca play with another great player. I think that's going to be a very interesting next step for his career to see what it would look like if he played with a uh, a Tatum or a, a Jokic or a uh, a Donovan Mitchell, somebody like that. Uh, how about how about a how about a Clay Thompson? Yeah, that would work. <laughs> that would work. Someone, someone, someone he can depend on hit that open shot when he passes that ball. You know, I mean, his uh, his trust in his teammates is, is growing sometimes in some areas, but he looks guys off, uh, and uh, he can make players better. When he learns everybody's sweet spot, when he has Hardaway, it's been pretty consistent lately. Um, but I'm just using I'm just using Clay Thompson as an example of a great spot up shooter uh, that can make the best of those uh, wide open jump shots that the Mavericks have because of the attention that Luca is drawing to himself. 
you understand where I'm coming from with that. Yeah, so when I'm, obviously, you know, the corner three coming off of picks and all that stuff, when Lucas gets the pain, collapses everything, and people trying to get the ball out of his hands, that's the guy he's going to. He can really, he can trust to knock down those shots. Yeah, I mean, that's just an example of a guy that will fit with him. And he's a guy who doesn't need the basketball, which helps on offense. Clay's a guy who does not need the basketball to score. Because uh, right. Luke is going to pound the pound the rock. That's just what he's going to do. So Clay's a guy who is very good at that playing off of people and playing uh, without the basketball being very effective on the offensive end of the court while doing that. Yeah. In terms of, I'm going to go to the Christmas Day games, particularly Boston versus Milwaukee, the two best teams in the NBA. Boston kind of ran away with the game at the end. Uh, Tatum had a phenomenal game. Um, some of the shots, the, the contested shots he hits, they're they're spectacular. And I would say, I mean, if Kevin Durant didn't play basketball and Steph Curry didn't exist, Tatum would probably be the best shot maker in the NBA. Is that crazy for me to say? Well, he can get he can he can get to where he wants to go on the court. He's he's good going left or right. His his stop on a dime move is good, and he's on he's on his way to to putting his name in, in that list that you just named. Because lately, um, in his head to head matches with those with those top players, he's not backing down at all, and he's taking them. And he's taking him to the hoop. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, last night he was blowing by Kawhi like he was standing still. Blowing by Paul George like he was standing still. And those are pretty good defenders right there. Damn good defenders. I think Kawhi's kind of cooked, personally. I'm starting to get out off of Kawhi. I think Kawhi, uh, he just hasn't played enough basketball. He doesn't look the same to me. I, I watched how Tatum was going right around him last night, and I noticed that also. But it looked like he was get, getting back into his offensive mode of basketball, which was which was pretty efficient last in the last game they played against the Celtics. That's the team that looks great on paper. That's going nowhere. But the Celtics, they're for sure going yeah. somewhere. No, 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 the Clippers. Oh, no, yeah, of course, the Clippers. I mean, the, the Clippers, the only reason people don't talk about the Clippers like they do the Lakers is because when both Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are out, their role players are actually good enough to win basketball games. So, you know, they're like a top eight record in the West and they're able to stay comp- competent because uh, they have competent role players. But in terms of, you know, Kawhi Leonard doesn't play basketball anymore. It seems like when he when he does play, he doesn't seem like he has to lift the same quickness. Paul George, as much as I think Paul George has been the best player on the team this year, Paul George doesn't play as many games as I would like to. So I I, I don't know where they're going with this. I think it's just kind of like oh, we're just gonna roll up the ball the playoffs, and we're gonna flip the switch. And the flips not. I don't know if the flips are gonna turn on. I think the Clippers are very overhyped, and uh, we're acting like this is Kawhi Leonard from. 2019 when he brought the Toronto Raptors to their first ever NBA championship. That Kawhi Leonard, to me, seems long, long gone. I mean, but I think he's 
probably playing 30 minutes a game. I don't think he was playing 30 minutes a game. Um, his, his minutes were down. His minutes were down. And, um, Paul, you know, well, him and George both played um, more minutes last night. But I understand, I, I understand where you're coming from with those things that, those things that seem to be on the decline with him. And, uh, especially his lateral movement on defense. I noticed that. But, um, if he thinks he can turn it on and turn it off in the playoffs, well, we'll see real, we'll see real soon. So we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to preview and predict Week 17 of NFL action. Kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. We still have Mr. Zach with us. And now it's time for week 17, the second to last week of the NFL season. Predictions. The Arizona Cardinals at the Atlanta Falcons. Who you got? Uh, this is uh, two teams heading for the bus. Um, trying to uh, get through the season without getting any more injuries. Uh, it's a home game. It's a home game for the Falcons. Uh, they only put up nine points last week against the Ravens in Baltimore. It's a home game for the Falcons. The Cardinals didn't look that great on in their last game either. And um, I have to go with I, I I'd have to go I'd have to go with the Falcons. Uh, seventeen and seventeen to ten. I'm going to go with the Falcons as well. I'll say twenty to uh, the Cardinals twelve. Uh, Falcons are, are, I think, better, bigger, more physical, more well-coached, honestly. A football team, uh, they'll get the win in. They're at home as well. Next, we have the Chicago Bears at the Detroit Lions. Who you got? Well, Detroit Detroit had a little hiccup last week, but I think they're back on track, making a, play, making a playoff run. Uh, I think they have to win their last two games if possible. Um, so I, I I I take Detroit. I take Detroit twenty-seven to twenty-seven to twenty-seven to twenty-one. I'm gonna take Chicago, and I'll say Chicago wins thirty to twenty-four. The Lions really struggled against the Panthers' rushing attack uh, last week, giving up over three hundred yards on the ground to the Panthers. Dante Fre- oh, Freeman and Chuba Harbour really ran wild. And what does Justin Fields do the best? He runs the football. And the Bears, they're off the line. They're a good run blocking off the line. They really excel for the most part in that aspect of the offensive game of football. So I'm gonna go with the Bears getting a little mini upset over their NFC North rivals, the Lions. Next, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. Who you got? Uh, up and coming Jaguars with a decent running game. Texans always give you a, a battle at home, and they keep they they give they, they team struggle early against the Texans. Uh, but I think it's the, the Jaguars prevail if they hit as they as they head towards the playoff run. The running game is clicking. Quarterbacks improving. Peterson's a good coach to a young quarterback. And I see a bright future for the Jags, and I, I see the Jags um, 
17. I'm going to go with the Jaguars as well. I'll say they win 20 to the Texans 7. I think they'll win this game somewhat handily. Houston will struggle to move the ball, maybe throw a few interceptions. But I think Trevor Lawrence and this offense really come together at the right time also. Houston's just not a particularly good team. I know they've had close to competitive games the last um, few weeks, but I think this game will be a little bit less competitive. Next, we have the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. Can the Broncos get an upset in the kingdom? Chiefs are going to pour, the Chiefs are going to pour it on 31 to 10. I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I'll say 27 to 14. Uh, this game was a little bit closer than you would have thought the last time they played. Russell Wilson got hurt, and their backup quarterback yeah, came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mahomes had Chiefs. some weird interceptions. It was, it was kind of a weird game. The Chiefs were blowing the Broncos out at first. Then the game kind of got close, but. Uh, the Chiefs looked really dominant against the Seattle Seahawks, really controlled that football game. I think the Chiefs are kind of gearing up uh, towards the home stretch. So I do think this game will be a lot more convincing on the scoreboard in Kansas City's favor. Next, you have the Miami Dolphins at the New England Patriots. Who you got? Well, New England let Cincinnati, Cincinnati get away last week. Um, back-to-back, back-to-back games with with stupid turnovers at the end. And um, Miami's quarterback shaking up. He's out for the game. Teddy Bridgewater's playing. The, it's a, the weather's going to be probably cold again in, in, in New England. Uh, Miami's on a downhill slump. But I say, but I say uh, Miami wins some 17-14. Uh, to 14. I'm going to go with the Patriots. So the Patriots win 14-10. to 10. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is going to get the start. Uh, the Dolphins, they don't really run the ball a whole lot. Teddy Bridgewater, he is captain checked down. I think this is going to be a close game. Also, this is going to be in bad weather in New England. I think that kind of favors the Patriots. They almost beat Cincinnati for what's that worth. They've been in these close games. I think this is a uh, it's a game that New England kind of steals, even though the Dolphins are the more talented football team, and they're at home. Uh so next we have the Indianapolis Colts at the New York Football Giants. Oh, the, the Giants! Are, the Giants are trying to make a playoff run. The Colts are headed the opposite direction. They, they, they um, I'd say I, I take the Giants twenty-seven to ten. I'm gonna go with the Giants as well. I'll say they win. 17 to 10. This will be a lower scoring football game. You'll see the Giants run the football, uh, play field possession a little bit. Um, the Colts, they can't score. Uh, their offense isn't particularly good. The quarterback play is absolutely dreadful. The receivers can't separate. So, should be a one possession win for the Giants. Next, you have the New Orleans Saints at the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Gardner Minshew is going to get the start again. Who you got? Um, I, I, I see the Saints. I'm just the, um, Eagles win an impressive game. Defensive steps up. Uh, they had some terrible turnovers in that last game against the um, Cowboys. I think the Eagles, re- the Eagles rebound with a win, um, 24-14. The Saints have The Saints are going nowhere fast. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. I'll say the Eagles win 
34 to 13. Uh, they're going to be able to run it at will against the Saints. Play action is going to open up the middle of the field. It's going to be wide open. They're going to get those down the field passes. Uh, this Eagles offense is a machine. Whether Jalen Hurts is there or Gardner Minshew is there, they're going to put up points and they're going to dominate. Next, you have the Carolina Panthers at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't forget, the Panthers already beat Tampa Bay earlier this year. Who you got? Uh, this, is, this is when the bottom falls out for the Buccaneers. And uh, good, good night. Good night, Buccaneers. I take, I'm taking the Panthers. I'm taking the Panthers 23-22. to 22. I'm going to go with the Panthers as well. I'll say the Panthers went 17-14. to 14. The Buccaneers win against the Cardinals on Saturday uh, night football for Christmas. That did not inspire any confidence. Uh, it inspired absolutely no confidence at all. So given that, uh, I'm going go with the Panthers. They're playing good football right now. Sam Darnold's playing a little bit better. Uh, adds an extra dimension to the team. He's kind of took an over. I'm going to go with the Panthers here, 17-14. to 14. Next, we have the Cleveland Browns at the Washington Commanders. Carson Wentz is going to get the start. Uh, Cleveland Browns win a close one. Cleveland Browns win a close one. 21-20. I'm going to go with the Commanders, and I'll say the Commanders win 23-17. The Browns have just found ways to lose football games this year. Uh, they should be better, though. Uh, the, the commander should be better, though, with Carson. I think Carson, while Taylor Heineke steadies the ship, I, I do think Carson gives you a little bit more big play ability, you know, as a runner, scrambler, throws down the field. And what's gone on with the Browns? I mean, Deshaun Watson has not looked that great since he's come back, as quietly as that is kept and as much as he was billed as their savior. Houston Texans, Deshaun, has not showed up to the building yet. Uh, well, this, is his, this is basically his preseason. That's true. That's true. I, I, we start fresh next year. That's very true as well. Um, so next, we have the San Francisco 49ers at the Las Vegas Raiders. Who you got? Uh, um, the Raiders, heading for the, Raiders are heading for the bus. Everyone's pissed off. The quarterback's gone. The wide receiver's messed up. and There's dysfunction everywhere. I'm Going for, I'm going for, I'm going 49ers, 27 to 13. I'm going Niners, 30 to 10. Uh, the Niners, they're going to move the ball up and down the field against this Raiders football team. Uh, they're going to get whatever they want: running game, play action, passing game, middle of the field. Uh, Nick Bosa and these pass rushers, they're going to get after uh, the Raiders early and often. It's going to cause a lot of issues. This is going to be a very bad day for the Raiders. And next we have the New York Jets at the Seattle Seahawks. Well, Geno Smith gets his revenge against his old team. Geno Smith wins. 24-13. I'm going to go with the Seahawks as well. I'll say 27-24. to uh, if Zach Wilson is playing, I don't know. Is Zach Wilson playing? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I'm not. They, they're putting this up. They put another guy in there. Mike White. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say if Zach Wilson's playing, that could be really bad. No, Mike White. Uh, he's solid. Uh, I'll say 24, 27. But uh, Seattle really needs this. 
uh, just to keep up pace in the wild card hunt in the NFC. So does actually the Jets for that matter in terms of keeping pace in the wild card hunt in the AFC. But I think the Seahawks are a little better team, a little bit better coached, and they will get the win in Seattle. So next you have the Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. Who you got? Um, going with the Vikings in a high scoring game, uh, 31-28. I'm going to go with the Packers as well. I'm going to go with the Packers, not the Vikings. And I'll say 30-28 as well. Uh, Vikings, they have historically struggled to win games in Lambeau. And when, you know, number 12 is under center, the Packers are playing a little bit better. They beat the Dolphins. Nobody thought they'd beat the Dolphins. I think this is the type of game that we're going to see a very vintage Aaron Rodgers performance. So I got the Packers. Next, you have the L.A. Rams at the L.A. Chargers, the Battle of L.A. Who you got? Um, the Chargers have something to play for. The Rams quarterback is trying to trying to play up himself, himself into a contract. It could be a pretty exciting game. But I'm I'm going I'm going with San Diego. I mean I'm going with the Chargers. I'm going with the Chargers. Uh, twenty four to twenty four to twenty. I'm going to go with the Chargers as well, and I'll say the Chargers win twenty eight to the Rams twenty. Uh, I don't know what happened versus that Broncos Rams game where the where. Baker Mayfield looked like the second coming of Jesus Christ, for God's sakes. But uh, I don't anticipate that happening against the Chargers, so I'm going to go uh, the Chargers with the win. And for Sunday Night Football, we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. Chris Collinsworth and Mike Tirico on the call, and Carrie Underwood's going to sing. Who you got? Um. I'm going, I'm, going, I'm going with the Steelers in an ugly game. I'm going with the Steelers in an ugly game. I'm going with the Steelers, uh, 17-16. I'm going to go with the Steelers as well. I'll say they win 14-13. Lamar, I don't think, is going to get the start. Going to see the Ravens offense really struggle. Going to start seeing Cameron Hayward, TJ Watt, those guys get after it, kind of corral the run game of the Ravens a little bit. And... Uh, my time coach team, they're always going to be prepared. They're always going to be ready. That's the one thing you do now. I think they're going to snipe the Ravens on Sunday Night Football. Next, we have the Buffalo Bills at the Cincinnati Bengals. Monday Night Football, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck on the call. Who you got? Buffalo Bills, 31-30. Shootout. I'm actually going to go with the Bengals here. I'm going to say Bengals 34 to the Bills 31. Uh, the Bengals are playing really good football in the squad. At least it's kept. They've won like five or six straight games. They and beat, we won like five, five games. That is they, true. I think they won seven. We won five, I think. The, the, something like that. That is true. Uh, but it just feels like, it to me, it kind of just feels like the Bengals are going to win this game. Uh their offensive line's playing a lot better. I still do have concerns about the Bills without Von Miller. Uh, Joe Burrow is a fantastic scrambler. He's very slippery in the pocket. It's going to be very important to get home on him. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the corners hold up against T. Higgins and Jamar Chase. That might be the best receiving tandem in the NFL. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting game to watch. Uh, I think the Bengals actually match up fairly well with the Bills in a lot of areas. But... 
Uh, I'm going to go with the Bengals. They're at home. Uh, very tough competitive game, though. It should be one of the best games of the season. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. We got a little controversy. I can't wait the next week's show so we can talk about this Bills game. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I want to thank Chris Crit and Mr. Zach for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 221st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.